0: All right, Hebrews 9. And we'll start at verse 3. Then, as you pass through the next curtain, and I'll be reading out of the Passion Translation. Then, as you pass through the next curtain, you would enter the innermost chamber called the, Holy, the holiest sanctuary of all. It contained the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant Mercy, which was a wooden box covered entirely with gold. And the place inside the Ark of the Covenant Mercy was the golden jar with mystery manna inside. Aaron's resurrected rod, which had sprouted, and the stone tablets engraved with the covenant laws. On top of the lid of the Ark were two cherubim angels of splendor, with outstretched wings, overshadowing the throne of mercy. And we'll just stop right there. And the writer of Hebrews wanted to go on and express other things about the throne, but the purpose was to identify that God created a place for his presence to dwell. He wanted his presence in tangible splendor, in tangible glory, and he put some things inside the Ark of the Covenant that are apropos for victorious living. They're needed, they're required, they're the secret to victorious living. Remember when Uzziah was there and David wanted to bring that Ark back to Jerusalem He said, I want the presence. I experienced the presence at Samuel at Naoth-Ramah. And I don't want to go up to Jerusalem and be king and fulfill my calling without the presence. I experienced something with Samuel of a vortex of an open heaven. And I don't want to do my calling without the presence. And so he determines to bring the ark up to Jerusalem. And they've got... Some people that are bringing the ark on a wooden box with wheels. And the oxen that's carrying the, the, the cart with wheels stumbles. And Uzziah reaches out his hand to secure the ark. And he fell dead. And that was because it was designed that the priest were to carry the ark. Not mad, man-made things, but man made by God. Not man-made things to carry his presence, but man made by God was to carry his presence. Remember, God said, I want the priest to hold my presence on their shoulders. I want them to know the authority that I've given them. That's what the shoulders speak of. And I want them to carry my presence on their shoulders, not with a man-made cart. And so... Uzziah, which not by coincidence, his name means the strength of man, was struck dead when he touched the presence. In the Apocrypha which is um, the Catholic Bible and the the section that didn't necessarily make canon, but it's still seen as historical documents, that in that section, um, the 500 years between the Old Testament and the New, in the Apocrypha, it's written that when the Babylonians came in to ransack the temple, that Jeremiah went to Jeremiah's cave and hid the ark. And so you can write about it, or you can read about it in the Apocrypha. And um, 586 BC, this happened, and he goes and hides the ark. And everybody wondered, okay, where was, where was the cave? And um, an archaeologist um, got access to the tunnels underneath uh, Jerusalem and underneath the temple and found the opening to Jeremiah's cave. And he said with his team, could this be it? And sure enough, Jeremiah's tunnel and cave began to lead outside the city to a place called Golgotha, the skull, just on the edge of town in Jerusalem. And sure enough, that tunnel and that cave went right under Calvary, the hill that Jesus died on. And he, and he begins to recount um, on video, you can see it on YouTube, where when they came into the opening of the cave through the tunnel, that just like scripture is said, not only when the hour that Jesus gave his life did the sky go dark, but the earth shook and split the ground. And he said, did you know that Calvary is split, the rock that was on Calvary split right from the top of the hill where Jesus died all the way down 24 feet, that's all it, all it is, to the cave just below cross. He said, did you know that when I got through the cave and broke in uh, into the inner chamber there, that the Ark of the Covenant was still there? He said, not only that, it was right below the crack. Not only that, there was a sample of blood on it. So I scraped off the blood. I took it to scientists there in the holy city. And they first had me, wanted me to stand outside while they examined the blood. And I said, No, I'm not leaving the blood. I will stand right here while you examine it. And he said, I'm eyewitness and so is my team. We stood there and it didn't take too long before the scientists began to talk to one another. They called their boss over and they were discussing and speaking fastly in Hebrew. And all of a sudden they came over and they said, This blood is unique. Where did you get it? And he goes, tell me about the blood before I tell you where I got it. And they said, this blood has 24 chromosomes to it. 23 from the mother and one from the father's side. And that's unusual. That's not possible, actually. So where did you get this blood? And he said... Tell me more about this blood. <laughs> and they said, This blood is not dead blood. This blood is still living. Whose blood is this? And to those Hebrew scientists, he said, It is the blood of your, your Messiah. Can you imagine the earth splitting and even the possibility of that happening and the blood landing on the mercy seat where it should? The blood of the Canaan king, king when that Roman centurion soldier put the spear into his side, and your Bible says, with forth came blood and water. Can you imagine that God working circumstances to where that blood, the blood of Jesus, the only blood that could get the, make the mercy seat full of mercy? would literally fall upon the mercy seat itself, the only blood that could ratify the covenant that God had made with us, inside that ark? The three items that are, uh, that are inside that ark, I believe, answer every trial that we face. And they're the root of every victory that we walk in, every victory that we receive. Let's talk about the manna for a second. Jesus said that when he came down and fed the 5,000, do you remember what he said? I am the bread of life who came down from heaven. He's reminding them that he is the manifestation of the manna that was a foreshadow of who he he would become. I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. That's what he told them as a result after he fed the 5,000. Revelation 2.17 says this. But the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is presently saying to all the churches, to everyone who is victorious or who overcomes. I will let him feast on the hidden manna, and I will give him a shining white stone. And written upon the white stone is inscribed his new name, only known by the one who receives it. Wow. So The manna refers to the glorious bread that feeds those who have relationship with Christ. Those who say, God, your revelation to me is way more important than any second heaven information. I live and breathe by the manna that you give. The hidden mysteries of God. To him who overcomes, I will give him hidden manna. Who wants hidden manna? Who wants the secret things that God reserves for the hungry? Anybody? Anybody? There's things that you can have free at salvation. That's just what mercy brings. But there's also things that God reserves only for the hungry. Can you say amen to that? The hidden manna. To him who overcomes is reserved the hidden manna.